Well, good morning. Welcome, Calvary, to uh, our continuation in Fundamentals of the Faith. I alternately say Foundations of the Faith. I think either one of them works. So if you have your workbook with you today, um, we are in... We are on page, lesson eight, which begins on page 59. So uh, if you follow along there, uh, either with the blanks that you filled in or fill in as you go, that will really help. So I'm going to walk through the lesson today and hopefully have some time for, uh, for questions at the end. But, but as you know, when I teach, I always invite uh, interaction. So interruptions are welcome, just so you know, okay? Great. Um, this is our memory verse, and uh, this is a, a one that you may have committed to memory. Uh, if, if you haven't, I, I certainly recommend it. This is a this is a go-to verse for me more times than I can count. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus. And I've highlighted the word everything. Everything means everything. And so I, as I look at this, two things come to mind that I probably don't take advantage of this command and promise as I should. I, uh, a common pattern for me, maybe it is for you, I, I, uh, I work myself up in a panic, and then when I can't do anything else, I pray. It's the last thing I do, often, when, if we're reading this properly, I think it should be the first thing that we do. Amen? The other thing I notice is something that my dad taught me, keying on that phrase, with thanksgiving. How do we apply that? And I noticed the pattern of prayer for my dad as we would pray together as a family. He would say something like, Father, I thank you in advance for what you're going to do. Right? And that has really stuck with me. Uh, we pray in a hopeful way, expecting God to answer and expecting the promises in this verse to happen. You know, I think sometimes God puts things in our lives so that we'll sense our need and we'll go to him and draw close to him, which I think is the whole point, brothers and sisters, of the Christian life, is that we draw near to him. Great segue from last week. Uh, the last couple of weeks as we talked about the Holy Spirit, this connection between the Holy Spirit and prayer. And then next week, we're going to get into the body of believers, how we, how we fellowship together. And it's all so perfectly um, integrated and related uh, in our Lord's providence. Romans 8, 26 and 27, and in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We're going to get into each of these concepts um, pretty deeply today. We do not know how to pray as we should. Anybody here relate to this? Uh, I read this verse, and, and, um, and I think of what a, a pastor friend of mine would emphasize. He said, prayer is perhaps our greatest area of weakness. For me, I feel that it certainly is. I feel wholly inadequate to teach you on it because I am not a prayer warrior by any means. This is an area of struggle for me and an area of, of hard discipline for me. Anyone else have that, right? And I think 
I read this verse, and I think the Lord knows this. He knows this about us, and so the Spirit intercedes for us. Now, what I would like to do is say, okay, Spirit, you intercede. You got this. I can move on, and, and I think God has more for us than that, right? We do have a responsibility in prayer. But notice that those phrases there, the mind of the Spirit and according to the will of God. Understanding the mind of God and praying according to the will of God is absolutely fundamental to vital prayer. And that's a lot of what we're going to talk about today. How, how do we do that? How do we do that? So uh, before we continue, uh, I'm going to go back on that. That's my little humor portion. Let me, let me pray for us. Um, Father God, we praise you for your goodness to us. Um, I pray that today we would understand our weakness and our need for you, that we would see your strength and your provision in prayer, that we would pray as Jesus taught us to pray and as he set an example for us, that we would see these wonderful patterns in the scriptures um, and compare how we pray with how we ought to pray. And will you move us along and grow us in this area, that we would commit to this joyful struggle and discipline, marveling that it is even possible to approach you and grow closer and closer to you moment by moment. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I, I put this in here. Any Back to the Future fans here? Um, as I prepared this lesson, I, I really wanted to do, do a little bit more with the graphics and pretty this up a little bit, but I wasn't able to, so I, this quote came to mind. Please excuse the crudity of this model. I didn't have time to build it to scale or to paint it. So I'd appreciate that if you would keep that in mind as we go through these slides. Uh, they're not that pretty, um, but hopefully the, the, the content of the Word of God will shine through for us today. Okay, in your books, um, right at the very beginning, I thought I'd just put this here. This is directly from your workbook. The purpose of prayer is to express our submission to the sovereignty of God and our trust in His faithfulness. Prayer is the means by which we express all that is in our hearts to our loving and wise Heavenly Father. Prayer is not to give God information because God knows everything. Prayer brings us into reverent communi communion with God, worshiping Him and acknowledging Him as a giver of all things. This is kind of an issue that people talk about with regard to Reformed theology. Is like if God is sovereign and His degrees, decrees always come true, why do we pray? And I think we understand, and hopefully we'll understand more deeply by the end of this lesson, that we don't not pray because God's sovereign. We pray because he's sovereign, because he can do things, and he is doing things, and he invites us into what he is doing through prayer. So I hope you understand that, um, and it's a bit of a mystery, right, because God does respond to prayer, yet his decree is fixed, right? He, he is working. I think prayer is a means by which he draws us into his heart and his plans. Does that make sense? And so it's a wonderful thing that that's even possible, right? It's an amazing thing, honestly. So uh, our outline today, we're going to talk about the nature of prayer, the practice of prayer, and the struggle of prayer. It's a very, very real struggle that honestly I feel uh, every day. You know, just a word of personal testimony, I, I sometimes have trouble sleeping and, and, and that gets me a little bit angry. You know, I'll wake up in the middle of the night. There's just a thought I can't get um, uh, out of my head or just something I'm struggling with. And I've come to, not 100%, but mostly recognize that that is the Lord doing that, getting my attention about something. And he wants me to struggle in prayer with him. Um, and so those have been some of the sweetest times 
Uh, sometimes I can't even get peace. I'm not even able to sleep unless I do that. I don't know if that's an experience for some of you. Uh, but so it's, it's like a lot of things in the Christian life. It's something that I, that I would otherwise resent that I see as a wonderful gift from God. And so we want to really embrace that together today. So let's talk a little bit about the nature of prayer. Um, prayer is a learning experience that, we, that must be developed into a spiritual discipline. Um, so I remember Pastor Dave uh, preaching to us from 1 Timothy 4 about the phrase, <coughs> excuse me, verse 7, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And I've noticed that, um, particularly with our children, as we've discipled them and tried to cultivate in them um, a, a, the spiritual disciplines, right, first and foremost of, of a devotional life, a time in the Word every day, the conversation has gone something like this. Well, well Dad, that seems like a chore, right? And it does. Um, but but I, I think over time, the Lord has worked in Betty and I to, to express that it's not so much a chore as, as it is a discipline, right? Think about anything in your life where you want to grow, right? Uh, no discipline at the, at the moment seems uh, joyful but sorrowful, sor sorrowful, our Lord says in Hebrews 12. But afterwards, it, it yields fruit. And so we know this in our lives. Uh, if you want to get in shape, if you want to lose weight, if you want to learn a particular skill for your work, Right? It requires discipline. That's just the way life works. It's sowing and reaping. And so in, in that sense, prayer is very much like that. But in another sense, the spiritual disciplines are very much not like that because they are the means that God uses to transform us, right? In, in physical disciplines, you, you, you kind of get out what you put in. In spiritual disciplines, you get out so much more than you put in. And I want to encourage us in that. So, so think about this. Um, one of, the, one of the things that we mentioned earlier was the, uh, praying according to the will of God. Um, just a couple thoughts that, we'll, that I'll just throw out there that we'll get into a little bit later is in John 15, 7, I want you to really think about this. Um, I'd like you to commit this to memory if, if you haven't already. If you abide in me, Jesus said, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. By this is my, fa my Father's glorified that you bear mu much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Right? So we key on the ask whatever you wish and think, really, is that true? Notice the condition. If you abide in me, right? I think, we'll get it. I think it's probably in the slide here. I'm getting ahead of myself. And my words abide in you. Ah, then we are, we are immersed in his heart and his will from his word, and we will be more likely to pray things that he will answer because they are according to his will. So um, the disciples said, Lord, teach us. And I feel like this is a constant learning experience, right? I'm continuing to learn how to pray more effectively. So how do we go from desire to learning to discipline? So we quoted Romans 8 earlier about having uh, the spirit intercedes according to the will of God and having the mind of Christ. Look with me, if you will at um, 1 Corinthians 2, and I think this tells us some very important things about uh, the will of God and the mind of God as revealed to us uh, in a very specific way. So I'm going to go ahead and read that, 1 Corinthians 2, verses 10 through 16. But to us, God revealed them, right, that is his revelation, his, his word, through his spirit, through the spirit, for the spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the depths of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? 
Even so, the depths of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the depths or the things graciously given to us by God, of which depths we speak, also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual depths with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the depths of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually examined. But he who is spiritual examines all things, yet he himself is examined by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will direct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Amazing, right? I think this gets to the heart of how do we have the mind of Christ? How do we pray according to the will of God? It's by his spirit as he illumines his word in our hearts, right? So I would put it this way, that our need to hear from God is infinitely more important than his need to hear from us. Fair? He doesn't need to hear from us, right? But he invites us to. And that should, but I think, think in any conversation, think about the dynamics of, you know, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, right? This really applies in our relationship to God. We should hear from him, I think, first, right? Primarily before we speak to him. Let him inform our thoughts so that we pray according to his will. Does that make sense? So, you know, in my, um, in my spiritual disciplines, I'm much more of a word guy. I'm much more comfortable getting in the word than I am praying. I mentioned how weak I am at that. Um, even so, I put my time in the word first so that my heart and my mind are in the right place. And then I, I work that discipline of pouring my heart out to him. So I, I think prayer for us then can be a really an adventure of discovery in learning God's will. Not just generally in his word, but specifically in our lives as we examine our lives in light of his word. So prayer is pretty basic communication with God. Let's look at a couple of verses here. Uh, according to Psalm 3415, Psalm 142.2 and 1 Peter 5.7, what are we to bring to God? Um, interesting. Hopefully you've looked at these, but... Um, It's so interesting to me that God calls us to pour out our hearts before him, but this is not a casual thing, right? Psalm 34, 15, um, the eyes of Yahweh are open, are toward the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry for help, right? Um, we go to, uh, we seek him for help and to receive mercy in our time of need. When is our time of need, right? If we're honest, it's constant. I think of, uh, you know, um, as if you're a parent, you have this, this, uh, this experience of watching your child really struggle to do something or to learn something. You're standing right there, eager and ready to help, and he's ignoring you, right? And then finally he says, oh, would you help me? Well, how often do we maybe do that with our Lord? We're striving in ourselves, and he's just there just waiting for us to ask for help. Probably should do that a little bit sooner, wouldn't you say? Psalm 142, verse 2, I pour out my complaint before him. I declare my distress to him. Right? God, God invites this. He welcomes this. Um, let us take advantage of that um, more often. And then 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxiety upon him, for he cares for you. Anybody have anxiety? 
my mind is riddled with anxiety often. Um, some of you who know me know, and I've been pretty transparent about this, that anxiety and depression are kind of the backdrop of my life. And it's something that I fight every day. Um, and I think, in one sense, it's a gift from the Lord to keep me humble. I'm not humble enough yet. <laughs> to keep me holy, I'm not holy enough yet, right? And to, to depend on him. So um, let's look at the next one. Danny. Oh, man. Um, how do I personally cast my anxiety upon him? Um, well, I should know where this is in the Psalms. When, when my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your consolations delight my soul. My anxious thoughts can multiply in me very quickly. Right? I, I've shared with you that I, I wake up anxious. I, if I don't get with the Lord and get um, uh, pray and get in his word immediately, it'll go south for me very quickly, and I will not only um, drag myself down, but I will drag others down with me. It's not good. So I feel this um, every day. So um, I try to be more disciplined at taking the specific things that I'm worried about. Remember Philippians 4? Uh, in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be, <coughs> excuse me, be made known to God. Um, and just do that. That's just one example. Yeah. And then think through um, how the promises of God stack up, right? My anxieties and your anxieties are often not based on truth. While the feelings are real, they're not based in reality. Fair? Yeah. And so we need to fight and, and, and compare the truth of, what we're, of God's word to the false, falsehood of what we're thinking. Right? That's a little bit general. Maybe we'll, we'll talk more on that later. I'd, I'd love to hear from, from some of you about how you do that as well. Ecclesiastes 5.2 says this. Uh, do not be hasty with your mouth. Or impulsive in your heart to bring up a matter in the presence of God. For God is in heaven, but you are on the earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Right? Uh, in Matthew 6, uh, in, in our Lord's instructions, he said, The Gentiles think that they will be heard for their many words. Just this meaningless rep repetition, right? And this, as if it's an incantation that will be some sort of magic spell that will unlock God to do something. I think about the prophets of Baal, right? With, with Elijah doing all that, right? Just this frenzy. God does not value that, right? And this is, this is why I think it's so important for us to hear from him first in his word, immerse ourselves in his, his word before we speak uh, with some reverence, right? Think about that. Hasty with your mouth, impulsive in your heart. Being hasty or impulsive are not virtues. Yet at the same time, we are not to hesitate to bring our burdens before him. So it's a bit of a tension there. Does that make sense? So uh, this is the counsel of, of the word. In 1 Peter 5, 6, right, uh, uh, this, it's humble, you know, it, it's, it's humility, right? Uh, you younger men be subject to your elder, elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, right, but gives grace to the humble. Humble your, yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. And then verse 7, casting all your anxieties upon him. Because he cares for you. So our, our approach, our communication is, a, is a, humble, a humble communication. So that's really uh, some things to keep in mind as we approach the Lord. 
And then thirdly, prayer is effective to change situations and people. Interesting, interesting. Um, Acts 12, 5 through 7, let's take a look at this. Um, I, I love this, thinking about this. I, I, I looked at this and I thought, you know, I probably don't ask God for enough, right? Uh, this is when Peter was in prison. You know, and, and the Roman guards, you know, it's no, it was no joke, right? So to pray that Peter would be released from prison, kind of an audacious prayer, right? You think, well, they've captured him, that's that. Uh, Acts 12, starting at verse 5. So Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. Now on the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. Seems pretty secure, right? Verse 7. Behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter's side and woke him up, saying, Rise up quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. And it goes on, and Peter was released. Sometimes prayers seem, are we, are we afraid sometimes to ask God for some pretty audacious things? Philippians, uh, or Ephesians 3, I think 21 says that he's able to do far more abundantly all that we ask or imagine. Maybe we should explore that a little bit. But James says that we have not because we ask not, right? I'm really challenged by this. Maybe we should ask him for more as an expression of our faith in him. Um, that's a bit conditioned, right? We saw Philippians, uh, I'll, get, I'll get to that in a minute, Philippians 4, right? In everything, everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, right? Is the answer always yes? No, it's not. No, it's not. And we're going to explore why that is. So what kinds of things are we to pray for, right? I think we've established all things. And as we'll see further in our lesson, at all times. Prayer should be a constant rhythm in our lives. Like all spiritual disciplines, you don't just do it. It's not compartmentalized. You don't just do this for 5, 10, 15, 60 minutes, whatever you do, and then move on with your life. Right? Prayer is a continual dialogue with the Lord. As I was uh, uh, getting dressed this morning and getting ready, I was thinking about what are some songs on prayer? And I'm, I'm dating myself a little bit. There's a, a song from the 90s, Stephen Curtis Chapman, called Let Us Pray. You guys know this song? Let us pray, let us pray, everywhere and every way, in every moment of the day, it is the right time. For the Father above is listening in love, and he loves to answer us, so let us pray, right? Um, and uh, I, as, I, as I listened to the song, it was immersed with so much of the scripture that we're studying today. So I just want to encourage us to take advantage of this m maybe more than we are doing at all times, as scriptures say. Okay, and then finally, perseverance in prayer, right? Uh, this is, um, I think, a, a challenging and, and a vexing thing because um, we live in such an instant society. You know, I remember when Amazon started doing next day delivery or same day delivery. It's like, look, I don't need it that quick. It's okay, right? I remember the first time that they delivered something on Sunday. It's like, I don't need it on a Sunday. Like, you can go back, right? This is a little strange. But we're used to things happening quickly, right? Uh, prayer, brothers and sisters, is not like that. It's not like that. And it, as I think we'll see, it's a beautiful gift from the Lord that we do persevere. And we look back at Luke 18.1. Now, he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart, 
Anybody discouraged in prayer? Anybody pray for something over a long period of time and you're still waiting for the answer? If you're a parent, I'm looking at some of you, right? We know this is true. We know this is true. And we keep praying. We keep asking. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Have you really thought about that? It's this constant dialogue. I remember um, a missionary, I don't even know who, who it was, um, shared this concept that prayer for the believer is like breathing, right? It's just a constant thing, constantly keeping that lifeline with the Lord. And we need to breathe to live, right? And just a, 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 an interesting concept to think about prayer. Ephesians 6.18, praying at all times with all prayer and petition in the Spirit. We're going to get back to that because the verses that precede this inform why this is so important. I'm going to let you think about that if you remember what is in Ephesians 6.10-18. That we pray at all times in the Spirit. Right? And that's where we started. When we're praying in the Spirit, we're praying the mind of Christ informed by his word. Look with me at a, at a, at a verse that I, I encourage you to, to keep in mind. Keep in your back pocket or maybe your front pocket or keep right in front of you. is Psalm 62, particular, particularly verse 8. Uh, I think you're noticing a pattern here in the scriptures at all times, everything, right? Prayer is, a, is an immersive thing. Psalm 62, 62, 62 8 says... Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Read that again. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Mm. Prayer is a means by which we trust in him, pour out your heart before him. God invites that. God invites that. So we see this tension. We are not to be impulsive or hasty, impulsive in heart or hasty in our words to come before God. Yet, we are to freely pour out our hearts before him. Glenda. Yeah. It's a ghost. Yeah, yeah. And then we pray for something, and then we're surprised that it's answered. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that prayer in Acts is wonderful, Glenda, that you can pray and still doubt, that's keep, but keep doing it. This is, this is kind of like a regular conversation that I have with Betty. Like, I, I will marvel that a prayer was answered, and she'll just look at me like, uh, okay, this surprises you, right? 
I, I think you've picked up on the fact that Betty's level of faith is way beyond, multiple times beyond me. So praise the Lord for that. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? We pray, but then surprise that God answers. Maybe we shouldn't be surprised and maybe up it a little bit in terms of what we pray for. That'd be a good thing. Teach us how to pray. Noel. Let's look at that. Let's, when we pray in doubt, don't think. So we had a couple things here in James. That wasn't one of them. But where is that, Noel? Which verses? Oh, yeah, verse uh, chapter 1. Um, <laughs> so good. Starting in verse 5, James 1. But if any of you lacks wisdom, anybody? Anybody here lack wisdom? I think we're going to all. If you don't raise your hand, I'm going to come after you. Um, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Do we doubt the generosity of God? We're going to get into that a little bit more with some of our other verses. God is generous beyond what we can imagine, and we should take advantage of it more. If we lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith, doubting nothing, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Yeah, that's a, that's a rebuke to us. That's a rebuke to us. Yeah. Yeah. I think about where double-minded shows up in the, in the scriptures. I think it was Elijah, Elijah or Elisha, I get them confused, Talking to Israel, how long will you waver between two opinions? If God, Elijah, thank you. If God, if the Lord is God, follow Him. If, if Baal is God, follow Him. God must have us have that consistent growth in faith. Lord, give us faith. Trust in God at all times, not in doubt. Thank you, Noel. That's great. Yeah. And then perseverance. Let's talk more, even more about that. Um, Luke 11. Turn there. There's a lot to pick up in Luke 11. We're going to spend just a few minutes there unpacking that in the context. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. If you pick up nothing from this passage, pick up that prayer is not passive, right? Neither in the asking nor in the follow-through of what we do after we ask. Let's understand this. Let's unpack this a little bit more. Actually, let's, let's go back. I'm going to read the whole sequence. I'm going to go back to verse 5, and I'm going to read through verse 13. And again, think about... The nature of God here. What what do we what does this passage tell us about our Lord and his posture toward us? This is Jesus. And then he said to them, Which of you has a has a friend and will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers and says, Do not bother me. The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed, and I cannot rise up and give you anything. 
I actually had a situation that's actually happened <laughs> to me. <laughs> Woke me up. Interesting. I tell you, even though we, he will not arise and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. <coughs> Excuse me. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. I want you to really think about this next portion here, brothers and sisters. But what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if his son asks for an egg, it will give him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Right In the other gospel, says, give what is good to those who ask him, equating the Holy Spirit to what is ultimately good. Now, I remember appreciating this verse as a single person, but I remember distinctly after we had our first child, Lauren, reading this verse and thinking about it. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? And as a parent, now understanding that a little bit more, what I wouldn't do for my child. Multiply that by infinity, and this is what we have in our Heavenly Father. And it just blew up for me. And I feel like I've been spending the rest of my life, and maybe into eternity, coming to grips with the generosity of God. Do we recognize how insanely generous God is, both in, in every way that he answers our prayers, in the yeses and in the noes. Really interesting. Look with me, if you will, at Psalm 5, verses 1 through 3. This is a great pattern for us in how we pray. Some of you have personally encouraged me with this verse and texted it to me kind of right when I needed it, so I appreciate that. What do we do when we pray? Give ear to my words, O Yahweh. Consider my meditation. Give heed to the sound of my cry for help, my King and my God. For to you I pray. O Yahweh, in the morning you will hear my voice. In the morning I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. We pray with expectancy, right? We pray expecting God to respond perfectly. So what we see here in this passage in Luke, back to uh, Luke 11, is we see the example of the persistent friend, right? God values our persistent, our persistence. Now, this isn't the this isn't the repetition of words that uh, we are urged against, but it's just the persistently asking him. We express great faith in him by doing that, knowing that he can answer. And, by the way, by doing that, that keeps us in close connection with him. It draws us close to him and his heart, which I think, as I've said before, is the point of the Christian life. Right? The nearness of God is my good, the psalmist said. So that alone, that alone is a wonderful answer to prayer, drawing close to God. And then we notice the expectation, the expectation of a generous God. Do we expect God to answer perfectly, abundantly, more than we all we can ask or think? 
A similar sentiment is expressed in Romans 8.32, which John Piper says is perhaps the most important verse in the Bible. He did not spare his own son, right, but delivered him up for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? He didn't spare his son. I think we really need to think about that and come to grips with that. We tend to think of God, I think, naturally as a stingy God, as a God who withholds from us. Maybe you have models in your life of parents or other people in your lives who were stingy. You know, I know for my dad, his father was very much like that and withheld quite a bit intentionally, right? And so uh, as I, as I process, process this with my own father, uh, you know, he has, he has really struggled to come to grips with that. And, but also it's given him a heart to be a more generous father, and he has been. So we, we talk about this. What is our expectation of a generous God who will give only good things? Only good things. Um, I think it's in Psalm 84. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Isn't that incredible? So brothers and sisters, let us, let's rejoice in that. Let's rejoice in that. Okay. So let's get a little bit more into the pattern. I think I need to pick up the pace here a little bit. What does Jesus teach us as a requirement for answered prayer? We talked about this earlier. I'll just recap it. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it shall, by, shall be done for you. Um, by this, my Father is pleased that you bear much fruit, and so prove yourself to be my disciples. So important condition, right? Us abiding in him. It is remaining in him, walking with him, us in his word, his word in us, right? These will inform our prayers, right? And we can have confidence if we do that, that we are praying according to his will. Secondly, what is our confidence as we pray? Let's look at this. This is a, I think this is a, a complementary verse to John 15, 7, and one that I, I think is worthy of our consideration today. Um, 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. And this is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. Wow. How do we pray according to his will? And it goes back to John 15, his word abiding in us. His word abiding in us. I hope you're picking up, and I, I'd like you to really think about this more if you haven't already. Think about the instructions and the patterns of prayer that we see in the scriptures and compare them to how you pray and I pray and the examples of prayer we see around us. You know, like evangelism, I think the patterns that we see around us are, are just very different, and, and if I would, they very much deviate, I think, from the patterns we, we see in scripture. It's very, very different. Um, and so... I think it's worthy of consideration. How do we pray compared to how the Lord instructs us to pray and the example that he set? Always thinking about that. Are we following? Are we following that example? Yeah. His sovereign will is always accomplished, right? So praying according to his will, both his moral will and his sovereign will, so important, so important. Uh, let's look at the Lord's Prayer. I think we'd be remiss if I had a, a lesson on prayer if we didn't do that. So look, look with me at Matthew 6. 
we'll just unpack this. And you've got a, a chart uh, in your book that unpacks this. And this is where I didn't get a chance to do the kind of graphics that I would have liked to do. But we'll, we'll enjoy the content here. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Pray that in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil, from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. A lot here, particularly as we think about forgiveness. That's something to really think about. Forgive us as we also have forgiven. I'll just kind of throw this in as our willingness and our forgiveness of others is an indication of how God has forgiven us. Right? I'm sorry, my grandson's distracting me over there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's an indication of how we have understood his will. Right? So if we have withheld forgiveness, that's something to really examine. Examine in our own lives. But let's walk through this. First and foremost, we pray to God, right? Our Father, who is in heaven. That seems fundamental, but sometimes, have you ever been in prayer settings, particularly group settings? And I've struggled with this. Am I praying to God or am I praying to the people around me? So that, you know, so that is my orientation to how it comes across to them or how it goes to God? I'm sure I'm not the only one who struggles with this. Some of you avoid it entirely but not praying in groups, which I don't think is that helpful, right? Uh, that's one of the wonderful things that we can do. Um, a raw, honest prayer to God is infinitely superior than an eloquent prayer to others. Make sense? So it's to him. You're in heaven, Father. We're oriented toward you. Exalt him. Hallowed be your name. Right? And sometimes we just park right there and offer, um, offer prayers of praise to him. Submit to him, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done. We're going to get into this as we see this exemplified, particularly in the life of Jesus and the life of Paul. Your will be done. All of our prayers for our will is subject to his will, which means the answer isn't always going to be yes. Right? According to his will, leaving that to him. So I'll give a, a very practical example of that. Some of you know, may know that my mom died of ovarian cancer at the age of 47. I was just 26 years old, and that was rough beyond what I can describe. As we prayed through this as a family, we felt that it was important that we acknowledge God's ability to heal her in a moment if he wanted to, yet at the same time that he may have a different plan. And Lord, you do what you will with it. You get the difference, right? So, like, really struggled with, and I felt like as my, uh, as some of my family members were praying, it's like, well, where's your faith? God can heal her. Let's pray for that, you know? Now, they had lived with her and seen her decline over time, and so they kind of saw reality in a different way than I did, right? But still, there's this tension. Lord, you do what you want, but you can do anything, right? Um, and so that's, uh, and, and as I look back, I see, you know, when it says in the Psalms, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones. 
It's often quoted at funerals. And, and I look back, and I had to have some, some brothers and sisters come alongside me and point out to me all the wonderful things that God was building and growing in our lives through the death of my mom. Things that couldn't have happened any other way. And you look, and you look back, and I'm just awed by that. So I just want us to keep that in mind as we pray. What God is doing sometimes in his no answers to prayer, or maybe a different, God has a different agenda sometimes than you. Have you noticed that? Right? We, we wish that God would get in line with our agenda, you know, and that's not how that goes. It's, just, it's a wonderful gift that we get in line with his. What he does is always good. And so that's a, that's a comfort for us. And I just share that personally, that, that, that would encourage you. Look to him, right? Give us this day our daily bread, right? Our, ve- our very sustenance is, is up to him. Now, we live in a, in a very prosperous country where even the poorest of us probably aren't lacking that much. Um, yeah. Um, in him all things hold together, it says in Colossians. Are you aware of that? The level to which you and I are dependent upon him is beyond what we can understand. Confess to him. Confess to him. Forgive us our debts, our sins. Yes. Depend on him. Right? Do not lead us into temptation. Right? Um, of course, we know that God tempts no one. I think it says that in James, right? But we ask that we would not be overcome, overcome by temptation. And then trust in him. He'll deliver us from evil. Right? We need his protection. Um, one of the verses that's become precious to me is Isaiah 65, 24, where it says that before, before they ask, I will answer them. And then in, in, in the Beatitudes, the Lord knows what you need before you ask him. Think about the wording of that. He knows what you're going to ask, but even, even deeper than that, he knows what you need before you ask him. You might not know what you need, but he knows, and he's going to answer according to your need, not your wants. Sometimes they're the same, but often they're not. Often they're not. So let's recognize this. So again, think about this. And how often do our prayers follow this pattern? Maybe not as often as we would like to think. What are some hindrances to prayer? If I regarded iniquity in my heart, Psalm 66, 18 says, the Lord will not hear. Isaiah 59 talks about God's arm isn't too short that he cannot save, his ear not too deaf that he cannot hear, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God so that he does not hear, right? So when I think about this, I think this is something we need to take maybe a little bit more seriously than we do, maybe not jump in so quick. So unconfessed sin, wickedness in our hearts, right? These are hindrances to prayer. And we may have to face the fact that that may be why, in some cases, we are not receiving what we're asking for. Um, And then I think further on, it talks about this in James 4, right? Um, you have not because you ask not, right? Fair enough. But then we go on because you ask. Let me just read it. I have not committed this to memory yet. I know I should. James 4, verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Now, this is a big issue in the broader confessing church with the prosperity gospel, 
right? Subjecting God's desires to our desires. How small is that, right? I, I feel, I, in a sense, I think God's just up there thinking, stuff, that's all you want is you want stuff? I have so much more for you, so much more. I want to give you myself. And you're, you're saying no to that and yes to the stuff. Where I have said, you know, be content with you with what you have, for I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord says, is that, is that not enough, right? Um, in Matthew 6, right, um, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and wealth. For this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life. Right? God has so much more for us than this. So selfish motives. So um, when, we, when we think about this, so some of you may have seen this acronym before, adoration, right? Um, praise God for his attributes, confession, um, ask God to search your heart and be honest with him uh, about your sin, right? Um, and I have a little bit of a, a twist on this, but let's just go through it. Um, thanksgiving, right? Express thankfulness for his many blessings. He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me, God says in Psalm 50. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. Psalm 100. Wonderful stuff there. And then supplication. That's the last thing. We often start with what we want, right? Uh, and I think maybe that's the last thing. Specific requests for others. For others first, and then yourself. First Timothy 2.1 talks about all kinds of prayers for all kinds of people. I hope you're picking up on this pattern. At all times, all things. right? God, God invites that. Now, if I were to... I, I think a, 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 um, a better acronym is CATS, which doesn't flow as well, right? I think, I think honestly, brothers and sisters, starting with confession is, is more important. If what we just read earlier about hindrances to prayer is true, right, then we need to get our hearts right with him and confess in before we do anything else. So I would really commend that to you as a, as a better pattern. Because, because if God doesn't hear, what, what good is, is, is praise if we haven't confessed the sin, right? Empty words, right? Empty words. A um, couple um, admonitions on that. Uh, and this is a pattern that I've had for many years. My kids know this. I could probably have them come up here and tell you this. Um, I start my day with two biblical prayers. Psalm 139, 23 through 24, familiar to you. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This prayer has a couple of very distinct advantages. One is you start your day with answered prayer. See if there be any hurtful way in me. There's always a yes to that. There's always something, right? I, don't, I haven't run out of things to confess and to repent of, and I don't think you have either. So that's a beautiful thing. Just, just asking God to examine. And just sometimes I'm, I'm sitting on that for, you know, a little bit of time, right? Um, and then uh, Psalm 50, verses, verses 11 through 13. Uh, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. And as my brother Danny pointed out to me, that's a verse that informs our evangelism. That not only restores us to a relationship with God, 
but it makes us effective, I think, in evangelism. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. If, I've, if I'm right with God, that's a prerequisite to helping others to become right with God. So I really, I really commend, uh, commend that to you. Okay, coming to the end here. Prayer is a sacrifice. I think we just need to acknowledge that. We talked earlier about a discipline, right? Um, back to Luke 18. Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray, right? Um, I'm going to just do this fairly quickly, and I commend it to you for further consideration. Luke 6, 12 uh, is the sequence where our Lord was agonizing in the garden, right? Uh, and he said, he said this. Now, it happened that this time he went off to pray, and he was spending the whole night in prayer to God, right? Um, so, and there's a couple times where we see Jesus do this. Um, focused, focused time in prayer. And then in Luke 22, 44. Here's what's interesting, guys. Um, did Jesus need that kind of prayer? I think you could say that he probably didn't as, as the perfect man, but he did because he was a man as an example for us. So if he needed to pray like that, how much more do we need to pray? Luke 22, 44 familiar verse to us. And in, in being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. He said earlier, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus experienced an emphatic no to a prayer because it wasn't me. It wasn't God's will. Colossians 4.2, some of you know this. We emphasize this whenever we do um, the mall evangelism. Um, pray at all times in the spirit, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, right? There's an alertness that we need to have in prayer. Um, the disciples fell asleep in their prayers. And uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes in, I think there's one time in prayer meeting um, I, I kind of I dozed off. <laughs> Yeah, and it happens. It's something that it's just it's something that we do. Um, I do commend to you Ephesians six ten through eighteen, and I'm sorry we're probably not going to have that much time for interaction, but I appreciate the intera interaction that we've had. Um, I just want to commend to you this this idea of prayer as spiritual warfare. I'm just going to read verses ten through eighteen in Ephesians six. Finally, be <coughs> excuse me strong in the Lord and in the might of His strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to, stand, to resist an evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, having taken up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and receive the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times with all prayer and petition in the Spirit, and to this end, being on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. I will commend to you 
that prayer is spiritual warfare. And there's a reason why it's hard, because it's battle, right? And so let's not stop at verse 17 when we think about spiritual warfare. Let's continue and press through, having armed ourselves um, to go to the Lord in prayer. This is, again, where my dad has been a great example to me, where he actually prayed. He said, I put on the armor every day. I start my day praying through this in my mind, putting on, and literally that the um, the Greek really means to sink into, right? Sink into our armor as part of our identity. Right? So I really commend that to you as part of our discipline. Um, just a couple words, and I'll send out these slides, but you have your workbook as well, battling discouragement. To pray at all times and to not lose heart. Anybody here discouraged in prayer? Yeah. Why am I doing this? Nothing's happening, right? Apparently. Apparently. God knows. You know, we, we've been going through Exodus, and one of the things we've been thinking about is there's the earthly realities of what we see happening, which are very discouraging, slavery and such, right? But there's the heavenly realities of what God is doing through that waiting. And prayer, I think, helps us to remember that. Even though I don't see it yet, God is doing something. Yeah. Um, the example of David, I'll just come out to you briefly. David was a, a, just read through the Psalms, you know. Um, it seems like there's a lot more lament and strife than there is praise, but there is both. Um, David continued to pour out his heart to him. And then trusting in God's sovereignty. We talked about Jesus uh, praying, not my will, but yours be done. And the answer was no. Paul in 2 Corinthians 12. Let's look, look at that briefly. Um, 2 Corinthians 12. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Anybody need help not exalting themselves? Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might leave me, and he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I'm well content. Hear this, brothers and sisters. I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions and hardships for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God had much more in mind for Paul than relief. You get this, right? He had himself. Right? He had himself to give to him. Boast in weakness. Um, there's a book by Packer, J.I. Packer, called Weakness is the Way. It really explores this. We don't like that. We would like to be strong and have others impressed with our strength. That's not how God does it. That is not how God does it. He is glorified in our weakness. And so when we think about praying according to the will of God, what is God's will for us? That we become like him more than anything else, right? Romans 8, 29 says that. That's what he has predestined us for. So if nothing else, think about that when you pray. Because if God just kind of gave us what we wanted and made things a little easier, would we draw close to him like we need to? 
would we become like Christ like we need to? God loves us too much. And this is part of his generosity, brothers and sisters, that the, the no answers or the different answers are a tremendous gift for us. This is how generous God is. He disciplines us, the word says, for our good that we might share his holiness. I'm going to end with that. Um, I, I, uh, there's a couple prayers that I commend to you to pray regularly. I am so weak in prayer. Like I have this, I have this list of things, things that I pray for regularly and scriptures that I pray regularly. These are like crutches for me because I'm just not strong at it and I, and I need that. I really commend to you praying the prayers of scripture. And, and there's a few that I'll, I'll give you here. And again, I'll send these slides. This is one of them. Colossians 1, 9 through 12, if you want to write this down, but it'll be in the slides. Colossians 1, 9 through 12, Philippians 1, 9 and 10, um, Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, I'm sorry, um, yeah, Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, and 1, 15 through 23, I may have those in reverse, but when we pray the scriptures, when we pray scriptural prayers, we can be very confident that we're praying according to, to the word of God. And so I really commend those to you. And with that, I think we'll have to end. Um, maybe I'll take one question if anybody has a, a question or a thought. And then we'll close in prayer. Jody. Yeah. Yeah. Their God is too small. Yeah, no, that's beautiful, Jody. As our vision of God grows, our prayer life changes. So I just commend to you these three things to consider as we go. The primacy of heart preparation. I really urge, those are the two passages that I mentioned. I really urge you, if you don't take that seriously, take that very seriously. Um, your lack of heart preparation and confession may be a, a hindrance to you in your prayer life. Um, the priority of prayer, right? Taking the time for it both individually and corporately. I know everyone's got different different um, schedules and obligations, but I'm, I'm intrigued that our, our weekly prayer meetings are so sparsely attended. I really do. I never want to go. I'm so weak in, in prayer, and it's, it's always so inconvenient. But when I push through and do that, um, it is such a blessing. So, if, so I really encourage you to consider that uh, as we pray together as a body. Really, really important. And then prayer as spiritual warfare. Embrace the discipline. Embrace the struggle. There's, there's sweetness beyond compare at the end in here. Father, we praise you for these marvelous, beautiful, sweet instructions we have received. Not only instructions, but examples. Uh, particularly in our Savior, Jesus. Father, you, you, you didn't just teach us how to pray in words. You showed us how to pray. Incredible. Father, and help us to embrace the reality that, if, that 
you are a generous God. If we being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more, how much more will you give what is good to those who ask? And so may we ask in faith, may we grow in this area, in your will, in your way. In Jesus' name, amen.